Thank you for listening to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, and whether you call Collective your church home or you are just checking us out, we hope you are encouraged and inspired to take the next step in your journey toward the grace and truth of Jesus. For more information about Collective, you can visit us online at mycollective.church or follow us on social media at mycollectivechurch. Now, let's get into today's message. Do you all remember when chain emails were a thing? Back when you had an AOL account and your email address was BeastieBoy713. Wait, that was my email address. But you'd receive an email along with 50 other people, and there'd be some outlandish story about Bill Gates sending you money, about the Virgin Mary appearing in toast and blessing people, or even a curse that would come onto your home. And the only way to get the money, the blessing, or not get the curse was to forward the email to five people within the hour. They were legitimately the dumbest thing ever. And many of you still forwarded those emails. Shame on you. One of the most famous emails that hit millions of inboxes throughout the world started in 2003. And it said this, there was a wimpy little man on PBS who just passed away. Gentle and quiet, Mr. Rogers is another one of those you would least suspect of being anything but what he portrayed. But Mr. Rogers was a U.S. Navy SEAL, combat proven in Vietnam with over 25 confirmed kills to his name. He wore a long sleeve sweater to cover up the many tattoos on his forearms and biceps. He was a master in small arms and hand-to-hand combat, able to disarm or kill in a heartbeat. He hid that away and won our hearts with his quiet wit and charm. Do you guys remember that chain email? Or at least, do you remember that rumor that went around when Mr. Rogers passed away? By day, a man who played with puppets. By night, a mercenary saving the world. Well, I have bad news for you. It's not true. I'm so sorry. I know that I'm ruining, ruining some of your childhood right now, but Mr. Rogers, Mr. Rogers was never in the military. He didn't have any tattoos, and he couldn't take out a bad guy with his thumb. But one thing you probably didn't know about Mr. Rogers was that he was an an ordained pastor. And before every episode, he would do the same thing. He would pray. Dear God, let some word that is heard be yours. Right before stepping through the door and welcoming thousands of kids into his home, he prayed. In fact, if you've ever read any of the biographies about Mr. Rogers, you would know that prayer was one of the most important aspects of Mr. Rogers' life and teaching. Right now, we're in a series called Won't You Be My Neighbor? And last week, we talked about the fact that being a good neighbor starts with knowing your neighbors, because you can't be a good neighbor if you don't actually know your neighbors, right? And I challenge you to meet your neighbors, to say hi while you're on a walk, to leave a note on their door introducing yourself, to intentionally spend time six feet apart, seeing the people you live around, and getting to know them. And I hope you took the time to actually do that, because if you did, I can guarantee that you learned something about your neighbor that you hadn't previously known. Now, if you didn't do that last week because you were too nervous or too busy or listened to last week's teaching and just completely forgot, you still have time, and you should make it a priority. Because over the next few weeks, everything we're going to talk about uh, comes with the foundational understanding that we actually know our neighbors. The thing that we talked about last week was that we should have compassion for our neighbors. But remember, it's not enough to just have compassion. 
It's what you do with that compassion that truly matters. So the next few weeks are all about what you can do to be a good neighbor. And we're going to start by talking about prayer. Because one of the best things you can do for your neighbors is pray for them. Since COVID-19 hit, Google searches for prayer have surged worldwide. In fact, a recent study showed that during March, internet searches for prayer have surged to the highest level since they started collecting search data. Surpassing all other major events and other, that otherwise instigate intensified demand for prayer, such as Christmas and Easter. And here's what this tells us. Now, more than any other time in the past five years, people are seeking out prayer. People are trying to pray. People are wondering if prayer works. And many of your neighbors want someone to be praying for them. And all of them need someone to be praying for them. Now, I didn't grow up in church. Uh, I didn't say blessings before eating meals. I didn't say my prayers before I went to bed as a kid. My experiences with prayer were limited and went a little bit like this. Whoa, we're halfway there. Whoa, living on a prayer. Listen, I've sung two weeks in a row. This is the kind of content that you will only get online. I can promise you that back when you are sitting in seats, I will not sing ever again. No matter what you want me to do, I won't do it. But a lot of you grew up the same way, where the only prayer you experienced was in pop culture. Bless this highly nutritious, microwavable macaroni and cheese dinner and the people who sold it on sale. Amen. Home alone. Or, dear God, we paid for all this stuff ourselves, so thanks for nothing. Bart Simpson. Or the best prayer of all time from Talladega Nights. Dear eight pound, six ounce, newborn infant Jesus, don't even know a word yet, just a little infant, so cuddly, but still omnipotent. And the truth is, you want to pray, but you don't necessarily feel like you know how. Maybe it's not because you're new to this whole church thing. Maybe you're like some of my friends who grew up in the church, but never felt like they knew the exact right words to say because their experience with prayer was standing up and sitting down in these thines and thous. Or maybe you feel comfortable with praying, but you want to get better at it. One pastor said it like this, prayer is simply talking to God like a friend and should be the easiest thing we do each day. But let's be real. It doesn't always feel that way. So here's what today is all about. Today is a crash course in prayer. Think of it as prayer 101. And, and prayer is such a big topic that we could actually spend weeks talking about it. And at some point as a church, we will. But for, day, but for today, I just want to focus on the basics and the questions that many of us have when it comes to prayer. Because the truth is, a lot of us know about prayer, but we don't feel comfortable praying because we aren't sure if we're doing it right or if it even matters. So I'm going to take a few minutes answering each of these questions. Why should we pray? How should we pray? What should we pray for? So what I want you to do is I want you to grab a notebook and a pen because you're going to want to take notes. You can take some screenshots if you want. But we're going to talk about a lot of things, and I really think you should write some of these down if you are trying to figure out how do I start praying, how do I get better at praying, or how do I become more consistent in prayer? So why should we pray? Philip Yancey is an author I quote more than most, and he wrote in his book titled Prayer, if I had to answer the question why I pray with one sentence, I would say, 
because Jesus did. Jesus prayed. Before Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, he prayed. Before Jesus was betrayed and arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed. Before he died on the cross, he prayed. At his baptism, he prayed. Before walking on water, he prayed. Before choosing the 12 apostles, he prayed. Before Peter's confession of faith, he prayed. Before teaching his followers how to pray, he prayed. Prayer was a regular part of Jesus' life. We read stories of him praying in the morning, praying in the evening, praying at supper time, praying when he had a moment alone and needed guidance. Jesus prayed. Here's the thing. Jesus didn't need to pray. He and God are one, but Jesus prayed because his relationship with God mattered to him. Yancey also wrote, God is already present in my life and all around me. Prayer offers the chance to attend and respond to that presence. He also wrote, prayer means keeping company with God who is already present. Listen, God is always there. God never leaves us. But prayer is how we keep our relationship with God healthy. Think about it like this. Think about your relationships, your marriage, your roommates, your friendships. The better the communication is, the healthier your relationships are. And better means more consistent, the more honest, the more open your communication is with the people in your life, the better your relationships will be. And the same is true with God. Prayer is how we stay connected to God. We turn to prayer because it's the most personal way to experience God, to encounter him, and to grow in the knowledge of him. Now, that's not the only way, as reading your Bible and worship also help with that connection. But prayer is essential to a healthy relationship with God. Now, we also pray because God asks us to. In Colossians 4, it says, devote yourselves to prayer. In 1 Thessalonians 5, it says, never stop praying. God asks you to pray because he wants to hear from you. This isn't to make you jump through hoops. This isn't a parenting move when your kids ask you for something, but they forget to say please, so you ignore them until they do. God tells you to keep praying, to not stop praying, because God wants to hear from you. And I need you to understand this. You are worthy of being listened to. Now, let me say that again. You are worthy of being listened to. It doesn't matter what you've done, what you haven't done. It doesn't matter the last time you tried to play, pray. It doesn't matter if this week will be the first time you ever give it a shot. God's desire is to hear from you. And prayer is one of the ways that that happens. And I know some of you struggle to hear that because you grew up in a household where your parents wanted you to be seen and not heard. Where you had a relationship that ended with the wounds of an ex who made you feel dumb every time you talked. Or you had a friendship that fell apart when you started a new job or you moved and they stopped responding to your texts or your calls or just your general reaching out. But God loves you more than you could ever imagine. And even though you haven't tried to talk to him in a while, he's waiting to hear from you. We pray so we can be connected to God. So the next question is, how should we pray? And this isn't about whether your eyes should be closed or whether your hands need to be together. This is about the words we use when we pray. Jesus makes it clear that how we pray matters. One time, Jesus is teaching his closest followers how to pray. In fact, even if you haven't been to church before, you probably know a little bit about this story. 
because the conclusion is Jesus teaching the Lord's Prayer as an example of how to pray. But before Jesus ever shares the Lord's Prayer, this is what he says in Matthew 6. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. Translation, don't pray for attention. Don't pray just so that other people think you are holy or righteous or spiritual because the attention you seek is all you will get. A few years ago, I was sitting in Starbucks. Do y'all remember sitting in Starbucks? Those were the days. I was sitting in Starbucks listening to music when I heard shouting coming from a small table in the corner. And I turned my volume down to hear what was going on. And a guy was sitting next to one of the baristas with his hand on her shoulder. And I got a little nosy and I realized that he was praying for her very loudly. Loud enough so that every single person in Starbucks could hear it. And that's what that makes me think of. And listen, I don't know his intentions. In fact, I'm sure his intentions were mostly good. But what I do know is that Jesus tells us that prayer is not done so that we can be the center of attention. If we are the center of attention, God is not. Jesus continued, But when you go pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father who sees everything will reward you. Again, prayer isn't about attention from others. It's a private discipline. Now, this doesn't mean you can't pray publicly at dinner before a meal, or we shouldn't pray after we worship God on a Sunday morning. But that prayer is best when we are free from the attention of others and from outside distractions. And Jesus continued, when you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. When I was in first grade, I had a writing assignment where we were supposed to write about what we were doing over the weekend. And we had to fill an entire page. So I wrote... I really, 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 you get the point. Really can't wait to go to my baseball game this weekend. Now, Jesus absolutely cares that you really, 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 really hope you get the job. But he teaches us not to babble in our prayers. Another translation of the verse says, do not heap up empty phrases. When we pray, we should be intentional. We should be specific. We should be real. This means we don't just shout out a bunch of phrases that sound spiritual, but don't mean anything. The truth is prayer involves editing. This also means that you're allowed to pray short prayers, right? That there isn't a word count that you have to hit. I and mean, it doesn't have to be for a certain amount of time. Prayers don't have to be long and drawn out, which I know is good news for me because every time I pray at night, I fall asleep 100% of the time. You are allowed to pray quick prayers as they hit you while you're driving in the car, while you're drinking your morning, co morning, co morning coffee, while you're brushing teeth before bed. And we should also pray boldly. 2 Corinthians 3.12 says, Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. The hope is Jesus. Because of Jesus, we can be bold, especially in our prayers. Mark Batterson, who is a pastor in D.C., wrote a book called Circle Maker that's all about prayer. This book is actually the favorite of many of our leaders at Collective. And he writes, 
Bold prayers honor God, and God honors bold prayers. God isn't offended by your biggest dreams or your boldest prayers. He is offended by anything less. If your prayers aren't impossible to you, they are insulting to God. And this is what he's saying. Pray about the big things in your life that only God can handle, but pray boldly. So we pray intentionally, and we pray boldly. So we pray to be connected to God. We pray intentionally and boldly. What should we pray for? Okay, I need to be really real with you right now about this question. A few years ago, I was listening to a sermon about prayer, and it kicked my butt. The pastor was talking about how he prays for every single prayer request that comes to him. He shared that he recently prayed for a friend's cousin's cat. And I thought, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. You don't even know the cat. You don't even know the person. Who cares? And then he shared the reason he prays for every prayer request that he receives. Philippians 4, it says this. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Here's what this means. Everything matters to God. Everything. And the truth is, I was only praying for the things that I thought mattered but I'm not the judge of what matters in someone else's life. And you are not the judge of what matters in someone else's life. And if it matters to God, it should matter to us. Because if it matters to us, we know that it matters to God. Nothing is too small to pray for. So now you can ask me to pray for your friend's cousin's cat, and I'll be a little bit hesitant and I will feel ridiculous, but I will pray. Because we are told to pray about the things that matter to us. Now, just to be clear, just because something matters to you and you pray for it doesn't mean your prayers will get answered how you want it to. Prayer isn't a genie service. It's not about a way to get your wishes granted. 1 John 5.14 says, and we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. Another translation says, he hears us if we pray according to God's will. If you are praying for bad things to happen to other people, if you are praying for people to experience hurt, if you are praying for other people to fall into sin, God isn't for that. But if we pray according to God's will, he hears us. So that means you need to know the will of God. And the best ways to discern God's will is through reading your Bible and through listening during your time of prayer. We could talk more about God's will, but we'll save that for another time. The second thing we pray for is for what God has already done in our lives. Prayer isn't just about, uh, just because we want something or we need something. Prayer is to thank God for what he's done. Let's look back at the verse in Philippians. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. 1 Thessalonians 5 says, Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. When we pray, we shouldn't just pray for our burdens. We should thank God for what he has done in our lives. Because the truth is, there are always things that you can be thankful for, even in a pandemic. Even though it's hard working from home with two kids under five, I am thankful that we have a safe place for our family. Even though I'd rather be together on Sunday mornings, I'm thankful we can still do church online. Even though I miss my friends, I'm thankful to have people who are praying for my family right now. Even in this difficult times, there are things to be thankful for. So when we pray, 
We pray for our burdens and we give thanks to God for what he's done. So the challenge this week is very simple. Pray for your neighbors. Pray for your neighbors. James 5 says, pray for one another. So one of the ways that you can be a good neighbor is to take a few moments every day to pray for them, to pray intentionally and boldly, to pray for their burdens and to give thanks for what God is doing in their lives. And this is why you have to know your neighbors. You have to know what is going on in their lives. You have to know how they are doing in this pandemic. If they're working, if their hours were cut, if they're doing well, if they're nervous, how their kids are doing, if they feel alone. To pray well for your neighbor, you have to know them. One of the tools that can help you with this is an app called Echo. Uh, This is what I actually use uh, myself to pray daily. I had new prayers every single week and I have recurring prayers that will never come off the list. And six times a day, I get a notification to pray. And sometimes I have a few minutes to pray, but most of the time, it's just a few seconds. Either way, I pray. And if you are looking to kickstart your prayer life, this app can help you do that. Also, starting this week, Danielle, our Next Steps director, will be hosting a prayer time on Monday mornings at 8.30 a.m. with a few of our leaders. You can join us live on Facebook And you can share prayer requests or be a part of a special time of prayer with them. This is a great way to make prayer a regular part of your week, to kickstart your week with prayer. Now, I want to finish with something I read last summer. It was written by a woman named Taylor Schumann who survived a school shooting that happened just outside of Blacksburg, Virginia, six years ago. In August, she wrote an article about prayer, and this is what she wrote. I believe in the power of prayer. I know firsthand what living through a shooting does to a mind and what a bullet does to a body. And I believe that my recovery and healing is a direct result of prayers that were prayed for me. She continued, It can seem impossible to find the words to pray, but what I always tell people to do is pray specifically. Pray for physical wounds, pain, and future treatments. Pray for their invisible wounds. Pray for wisdom for doctors, nurses, and all the medical specialists they encounter. Pray against nightmares and for the ability to sleep and rest. Pray for financial provision for medical costs and other needs. Pray for support for people impacted by the events. And although Taylor is talking about a traumatic event that happened six years ago, what she's sharing is just so relevant. Because what we are going through, what you are going through, what your neighbors are going through right now is traumatic. This isn't easy by any means. And the truth is, it won't be easy for a very long time. There are physical implications, but there are also mental implications. Since the start of this pandemic, we have lost two friends to overdoses because the mental and emotional toll of this pandemic is vast. So we need to be praying boldly and intentionally. We need to be praying for burdens and in thanksgiving. And we need, to be, we need to be praying for our neighbors. This season is hard, and prayer is one of the ways that we will get through this. Romans 12 says this, Rejoice in our confident hope, be patient in trouble, and keep on praying. This is a time of trouble, but we can have hope, and we need to keep on praying. Let's pray. 
God, thank you so much that, um, that you care about our burdens. God, that you care about the things that are going on in our life that, God, ultimately that you want to hear from us. God, that you love us so much that you want to have a personal connection with us and you gave us the gift of prayer. God, I pray this week as we continue to meet our neighbors, as we continue to try to be a good neighbor, God, I pray this week that one of the ways that we can love the people that we live around and live by and the people in our life is that we can pray for them. God, help us get to know them. God, help us learn uh, their burdens. God, help us uh, learn the things that they are thankful for. God, help us find time every single day to pray and give thanks to you. God, God, I hope and and pray this week that every single person um, takes this step. God, that they they download the Echo app or that they join Danielle on Sunday morning or that they just make prayer an intentional part of their life when they're stopped at a stoplight, when they're brushing their teeth, when they're drinking their coffee, when they have a brief moment that they talk to you. And God, I pray this week more than any other week they've ever experienced, God, that they feel connected to you. God, that even in this hard time and even in this tough season, people know that you are there, that you care and that you're listening. God, ultimately, we pray um, that as we pray to you and as we go to you and as we trust you, God, that we continue to see you move in our own lives and our own faith, and more importantly, right now, in the lives of our neighbors. God, thank you that you love us. Um, God, we're thankful that you want to hear from us. God, I pray this week we have the courage to talk. God, we love you and pray these things in your name. Amen.